Heavenly Father, we thank you for the way that you have revealed yourself to us with words in this book that we have before us and that it has been translated into our language so that we can understand it as best we can. But Lord, we still need your Holy Spirit's guidance. We still need him to open our eyes more and more to the wonderful truths contained in your word. Lord, we pray that you may give us your Holy Spirit this morning, that he may affect our hearts and that we may be softened and strengthened as we hear from your word. And may we be able to live lives that are more holy and more pleasing to you as a result of being here this morning and hearing from your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, judging others is something we're all very familiar with. I think we begin from a very young age to judge other people around us. Uh, When I was small, I fought with my sister a lot and of course she was always in the wrong. When I judged her and her behaviours, she was quite clearly wrong pretty much most of the time. And so we, as we grow up, we judge others and we want others to judge people the same way we judge them. So when I was in a fight with my sister, I would move quickly to the other judge in the household, my mother. My father wasn't always around, but the mother was always there and she was the second highest authority in the house. And so she was uh, a good judge to appeal to. And of course I would go to her and ask for her to judge my sister and basically condemn my sister for what she had done to me. But it didn't always work that way because of course she was judging back upon me and so sometimes the, the impartial judge of my mother would go against me. But we all learn to judge very quickly to judge others as right or wrong. And so this passage that we're looking at this morning from Matthew chapter 7 appeals to us straight away. It it applies to us where Jesus says in verse 1, Do not judge or you too will be judged. No one in this room has never judged anyone. We all know what it is to judge other people. So when Jesus says do not judge or you too will be judged, We're curious as to what he means because we know that he is speaking to all of us. We all like to judge other people. And so we have to try and understand this passage this morning as to what Jesus exactly is telling us. We all judge people. What is Jesus wanting us to do in our judgments? And so my first main point this morning is what does Jesus mean by do not judge? What does Jesus mean by do not judge? Because you've got to understand that judging is a neutral word. It doesn't mean condemnation. It can mean commendation, that you judge rightly, that someone is right rather than wrong. And so Jesus is not telling us to stop judging people altogether. Some people take it that way. They look at this, this verse and they see the first three words and they stop there. They say, do not judge. So we're not supposed to judge at all. And that's a very popular idea in Western culture at this time, this generation that we're in, that we are not supposed to judge at all. And some people actually say that this verse, Matthew chapter 7 verse 1, is actually better known than John 3.16 these days. This verse is often quoted by non-Christians to Christians. A Christian will say, 
what you're doing is wrong. And they will say, do not judge. Jesus himself, your God, your leader, your king, says, do not judge. Don't you dare judge me for what I'm doing. But that's ridiculous because Jesus, in a few verses later, tells us to judge others. He expects that we will judge others. Verse 6, we didn't read it this morning, but verse 6, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. Now, how are you meant to do that if you can't judge people as dogs and you can't judge people as pigs? You are expected to be able to judge people a few verses later. And then down in verse 15, Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. How do you know if someone's a false prophet if you can't judge them? How do you categorise them as a false prophet and a wolf if you're not allowed to judge them? And how are you meant to judge them? Verse 16, by their fruit you will recognise them. You're meant to look at people and what they're doing and judge accordingly. We are not supposed to stop judging altogether. And this makes sense. It's not only there in the word, but it makes sense. We make moral judgments all the time. People love to say to us, do not judge. But if they say that to you, you say, would you let a child molester babysit your children? And they will generally say no. But that is a moral judgment that they are making. They're condemning that person as inadequate to look after their children. And they're making a moral judgment. They just don't like it when you make moral judgments about them. So what is Jesus saying? If he's not telling us to stop judging altogether, what is he saying that we should not do? Well, he's telling us not to be bad judges. And what's a bad judge? Well, a bad judge is someone who is a hypocrite and who doesn't judge their own life first. And we know this from the verses that we're looking at this morning. Verses 3, 4 and 5 speak about this, about how you can judge someone badly and that is not what Jesus wants you to do. Verse 3, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus is saying, don't be a hypocrite. Someone who has not examined themselves, cleaned up their own life and is acting like someone who has a, this is like a beam of the house, a huge plank in your eye, helping someone with a little speck that they've got in their own eye. That is judging hypocritically. This is a great um, picture of irony here that Jesus is using because it's just absurd to think that you would be able to help someone with a speck in their eye when you've got this massive plank of timber coming out of your own eye, particularly for something as delicate as removing a speck from someone's eye. It's a very delicate operation to do that. The eye is very sensitive And as soon as you start to touch it, it wants to close up and it doesn't like being touched and and, and helped in that way. And so it is a ridiculous thing to think that you can help someone while you've got this massive plank out of your own eye. You need to be patient to take a speck out of someone's eye. You need to be calm and you need to be cool. 
And that's the same when you judge someone. You need to have examined yourself and be well prepared to do that, to help them with the speck, because you're going to touch something very sensitive, more sensitive than their eye. You're going to touch their soul. And people don't like their soul being touched. And so you've got to be very careful in helping that person. And so you cannot be a hypocritical judge. That's what Jesus is not wanting you to do. He's telling you don't judge people hypocritically. So you need to examine yourself first before you judge someone. You need to break down that plank, that timber that is coming out of your eye so that you are then able to help others. How do you do that? How do you break down the plank? Well, you use scripture. And usually the plank that you have in your eye is pride. It doesn't take very long once you start being a Christian and if you're very committed to being a Christian to be able to overcome certain sins in your life by the grace of God and to, if you really feast on the word, you start to absorb knowledge and you soon are able to exalt yourself over other people and hold yourself over them and say, look what you're doing, that's wrong and look what you don't know. And so it's very easy to start judging people with pride in your heart about how wonderful you are. And so you need to get the scripture and before you judge others, break that plank of pride down. Read through the Sermon on the Mount. That will humble you. We've been looking at it and how strict Jesus is about how we are to behave as Christians. That the bar that is set before us is exceedingly high and we fall short of it so often. That will humble you, reading carefully through the Sermon on the Mount and being honest. Reading through the Ten Commandments, dwelling on what they say and how often you have fallen short. It will break down that plank in your eye so that you are able to help others. And then you are supposed to go and help others. You're supposed to judge them and help them with the speck in their eyes. Now you may think that you've done this. You may think, yes, I've read the scriptures and I've broken down the plank in my eye, but you sometimes wonder, is it still there? Is that plank still in my own eye? And you look at people like David, we read from 2 Samuel, where this man who even wrote scripture, who we have psalms of his in our Bible, God used him to speak to us, and yet he had a plank in his own eye. When it came to that story about the, the man, the traveller, taking the little ewe lamb, uh, the, the man taking for his traveller that's come, the guest, the little ewe lamb of the poor man, and using that to feed the traveller, and David gets incensed when all the time he has done that, he took the wife of one of his soldiers, one of his mighty men, Uriah the Hittite, when David already had many wives, and he took that one wife, that, that one woman that he couldn't have, that he shouldn't have had, and that was a massive plank in his own eye and he wasn't even aware of it. And Nathan used that story to bring him to realisation that he had a plank in his eye. So maybe you still wonder, do I have a plank in my eye? And so that brings me to my second main point. How do you know if you have a plank in your eye? How do you know if you still have a plank there? Sometimes you can't tell whether you might have that plank when you're judging others. And so here are some tests for you to, to examine your own self to see whether you have a plank in your eye. And I've got six ways, six, that you can judge people. 
in a way that would show that you have a plank. And I put them there on the, on the bulletin there and they all begin with the letter H so that you may be able to remember them as easily as possible. So six ways that you can show that you have a plank in your eye. Six ways of judging incorrectly. First is, you know you have not examined yourself if you make hasty judgments, if you are quick to judge other people. You make assumptions without all the facts. You hear a story about someone and you quickly condemn them for what they've done. And you say, yes, they must be in the wrong. And you're quick to judge them. Why does that show that you haven't examined a plank in your own eye, that you have a plank there? Because if you have examined yourself, you would know how terrible it is when people believe one side of a story and don't gather all the facts about you and what you've done. People misjudge you all the time by just hearing one report or maybe even a couple without actually coming to you themselves and they're quick to judge you. Whereas if you examine yourself, you realise that that is a terrible thing to do and you want to judge others by hearing all the points first. You are slow to judge them. You say, I need to speak to that person myself or I need to hear from the witness that you're talking about before I judge that person. I want to hear more before I condemn them. Do you make hasty judgments? Are you quick to judge? Then you could very well have a plank in your own eye. Second, you know you have not examined yourself if you make harsh judgments. It's easy to be unforgiving in our judgments, to be harsh with the person and not let them have an opportunity to redeem themselves, to to say, yes, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. You hold it against them and you're harsh and unforgiving when you judge them. How does that show you've got a plank in your eye? Well, if you examined your own life and the errors that you have made, you would know that you, you need people to be forgiving of you, that you need people to be kind and gentle when they judge you. And so you want to do the same for others. You want to be not harsh in your judgments, you want to be kind because you have recognised that you have had people be kind to you and that you need that. And so if you judge harshly, you probably have a plank in your eye. Thirdly, you know you have not examined yourself if you make huge things out of small errors. Huge things out of small errors. This happens when people take matters of indifference and exaggerate them and make them a big deal and reject a person based on something small that they have said that you think that that then condemns them. You make a huge thing out of a small matter. I'll give you an illustration for this one that I was preaching last year at a church and this man used to, this elderly gentleman used to always after the the service have some point of uh, criticism for some error in my sermon and he used to always share it with me. And one week the error that I had made is I said a church, three things are essential, you need the gospel, you need the Lord's Supper and you need baptism. And he said to me afterwards, you said the Lord's Supper first and baptism second. Baptism always comes first and the Lord's Supper second. Your word order was wrong. You made an error and it's not a good thing that you did today. 
He pulled me up on something that I think is a very small matter, my word order. I mean, some people do believe very strongly that you're baptised first and then you receive the Lord's Supper. You aren't admitted to the Lord's table until you've received baptism. And that is something that, you know, yes, you can, you can think on that and you can believe that, but to pull someone up on the word order, I think, is a, a, a small error that I might have made. Uh, I wasn't even aware I was in error there. We can make huge things out of small errors that people uh, make. And this shows if you do that regularly, you make huge things, you haven't examined your own life, you haven't examined yourself for planks, because if you examine yourself for planks, you will recognise, if you look at your sin, you will recognise that you make many, many small errors all the time. And you need people to be forgiving of those small errors. That to make them huge is going to make these huge things all the time in your life because you make many small errors if you look at your own life. Do you make huge things out of small errors? you probably have a plank in your eye. Fourthly, you know you have not examined yourself if you are happy finding error in others. Some people really delight in finding mistakes in other people. They actually sometimes, I think, even hope that they will find a mistake in someone else, that they are on such the lookout for errors that they really, really hope that there will be an error in that person. And I think this is through the pleasure of feeding their own pride. They want to exalt themselves, so they've got to find errors in other people. And they delight when they do, because that means they're a better person. They've found an error, a mistake in someone else, and so they get really delighted about it. And that shows they've got a plank in their eye, because if they examine their own lives, they would recognise how much sin is in their life and how terrible sin is. And instead of being happy about someone making a mistake, they would want to weep with that person, that they are struggling with sin as well, that they are making errors. And sin is so pervasive in all of us and they want to help that person, not rejoice in their sin, but instead weep with that person because sin is so entangling. So if you find yourself happy in judging others, you probably have a plank in your eye. Fifthly, you know you have not examined yourself if you are not helpful in your judgments. Criticism is a good thing. We're supposed to be critics of one another, but we're supposed to be constructive critics. We're supposed to help the other person to get out of the error, get out of the sin that they are in, to help them overcome their mistakes. But so often our judging is destructive of that person. We find a mistake in that person and we want to damage that person as much as possible. We want to damage their reputation, their influence, because they made a mistake. And so we are not helpful in getting them over that sin. Whereas if we examine ourselves for our sin and look for planks in our eyes, we would want to help others because we know that we needed help ourselves in so many ways from our sins. We needed the help of God and we needed the help of our brothers and sisters in Christ to help us overcome that sin, not destroy us, but to help us with their criticisms. 
Do you not help with your judgments? Do you not help others? Then you probably have a plank in your eye. And then lastly, six, you know you have not examined yourself if your judging has become habitual. Some people, almost the only interaction they have with other people is criticism. The only times they speak to others is to tell them what they've been doing wrong. And you may even be listening to me now with that attitude. You aren't listening to learn. You listen to find error in the person that is speaking to you. You may be counting how many theological errors I make, how many times I misread the Bible, how many times I make even little mistakes, like I I misspeak, I say the wrong word when it should have been at the other end of the spectrum. Or I may say um and ah so many number of times. You're on the lookout for errors. It's habitual. It's become your main practice when you listen to others is you're looking for errors, you're looking for mistakes. And this shows you haven't examined yourself because if you examined yourself and your own sin, you would see how often you're at fault and you would not want to correct people on every little error, every error that they make. Do you habitually judge others? Then you probably have a plank in your eye. Now maybe Jesus has identified you quite clearly in one of these that I've outlined one of these H's. If not, if you haven't, if you're not identified here at all, then I'd like to meet you afterwards, uh, because you're a pretty special person. Uh, if we are honest, we all judge others hastily, harshly. We make little errors huge. We are happy to judge others. We judge unhelpfully, and we love to judge habitually. But why should you stop? Jesus says, do not judge. Maybe it's okay to have a plank in your eye. Maybe you disagree with Jesus. Why should you stop? You recognise that you judge others incorrectly with planks in your eyes. Why should you remove the plank? Well, Jesus gives us some reasons in the text. And that's my third main point this morning. Why should you not judge others hypocritically? Firstly, you won't accomplish anything in your judgments. You won't see clearly to help other people. That's what Jesus means by this illustration of a man with a plank in his eye helping remove the speck. You won't be able to help with that speck. And specks are annoying. I hate them when they get in my eye. You want them out. You want that error. You want that sin removed. If you're the brother, you want someone to help you. But you want someone who is able to help. And if you have a plank in your eye, if you're a hypocritical judge, you will not be able to help that person. It's very easy to see how this could come about. If I was to confront someone on uh, a man looking at pornography on a regular basis, but it's quite well known that I'm in an adulterous relationship, the guy's not going to listen to me at all. The problem is a problem that needs to be addressed, the problem of pornography, but it's not going to be addressed by me if I haven't cleaned up my own life first, it makes sense that you won't be able to help people if you judge hypocritically. They aren't going to listen to you. And then secondly, why you should remove the plank? Because other people will judge you the same way. And Jesus says this in verses 1 and 2. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. 
People do not like being judged hastily, harshly, having little errors made huge, having people happy about their errors, people judging them unhelpfully and habitually. And if you do it to them, they will do it to you. They will begin doing the same back to you. They will be hasty and harsh in their judgments of you. They will make your little errors huge. They will take delight in your errors. They will not help you and they will judge you habitually. So if you're going to judge people hypocritically, you better watch yourself because people will be watching you. You'll have to watch every word that you say and everything that you do because they will be hypercritical of you just as you are hypercritical with them. And the classic example, if you tell your wife that she is regularly making you late when she is quite regular in her time but sometimes makes you late, but you are harsh and you say, you are always late, you always make me late, the next time you are late, she will make a big deal of it. She will come back upon you with great wrath that you made her late. You hypocrite, she will say. It makes sense that people will judge you in the same way. People do not like it. Whereas if you are slow to judge people, you are kind and gentle. You minimise their small faults. You are constructive in your judgments of them and helpful and you rarely judge people. People will do the same to you. They will know that you are patient with them and they will be patient with you when you make a mistake. So that's the second reason. Other people will judge you in the same way. And then thirdly, and lastly, even worse, I think God, you're asking God to judge you in the same way as you have judged others. Now I've spoken before about how God judges believers after he admits us to heaven there is a a second judgement as such that he judges us based on our works and you can make that judgement stricter or you can make it a bit easier and elders automatically make it a stricter judgement. James 3 teaches that. So John, Ray and myself have automatically made ourselves come under stricter judgement of God. It's a bit of a scary thing for elders I think it helps us be more faithful and keeps us more accountable to God and I think it shows how much we love the church, that we are ready to have a stricter judgement based on our good works and our treasures that will be given to us in heaven for eternity because we chose to be elders in this life. We make the judgement stricter automatically. But I think all believers can make the judgement stricter as well. I don't think we can restrict just these verses 1 and 2 to only other people judging us in the same way. I think that God, we're inviting God to judge us in the same way that we judge others. So if you're going to judge other people hastily and harshly and you're going to make big things out of little errors and you're going to judge them unhelpfully and habitually and happily, then you're inviting God to do the same with you at that judgement day. You're asking him to make your little errors huge and take away some of your eternal treasure in heaven. If you're going to judge people on word order, you better expect God will judge you on word order and how you have judged others. If you're going to be really strict, you're asking God to be strict with you and that should scare you. 
the way you judge others, you invite God to do the same. Now it may be that instead of well done, good and faithful servant, he just says well done servant. I don't know how the treasures are divvied up in heaven, but I don't want to make the judgement any stricter than it needs to be. I want to make sure that God doesn't delight in my errors, doesn't make little things huge, but is forgiving and gracious to me. And so everyone in this room should be scared of judging others incorrectly. You should be. And if that is you, that you are scared right now, Throw yourself upon the mercy of Jesus Christ while it may be found. Think about all the times you have judged wrongly and ask God for forgiveness. Repent of your sins and believe in Jesus Christ. And if you're not a Christian and you do it for the first time today, God forgives and you'll be welcomed into heaven. And if you are a Christian, know that he does show mercy that the Lord Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross can atone for all the times you have judged harshly and strictly against others, that you will find forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Throw yourself upon him and then ask him to keep the planks out, to break down the planks in your eye and keep them out and then ask him to help you when you remove specks from your brother's eye. It's a good thing to help people with their errors and Jesus expects you will but ask him to help you do it correctly. Let us speak with him now. Lord, this text is so confronting to us because we know we fall so far short of judging people correctly. So often we are hypocrites in our judgement. We delight in in the errors of others. We want to judge quickly and harshly. We want to judge habitually and we don't want to help them when we judge them. Lord, help us to remove the planks from our eyes. Help us to examine ourselves and see our sin for what it really is, that we make mistakes constantly and you are gracious towards us. Help us to Be gracious towards those around us who make errors. Help us to be slow to judge and kind with people so that specks are removed. Planks are removed but even the specks are removed and we may present ourselves as a holy people to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.